Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Good morning. Welcome to another Morning Java brought to you by our friends at the Get Good Cafe and Market where uh, fall's the best time of the year there. I mean, they got the Pilgrim Sandwich back, which is their, it's like a just Thanksgiving in a sub, but my favorite, it's pumpkin season. They have two different kinds of pumpkin milkshakes. Check them out while you still can, while it's still fall. Um, still fall, it's a, well, we're Penguins off season having it in fall, but I mean, there's still, still news coming in. Uh, the latest, uh, the Penguins seemingly rounding out their defense, signing uh, Cody Cece, a right-handed guy, filling in that right-handed spot. Uh, One-year deal, $1.25 million. Um, looks like their pairings are set. Rutherford said, you know, they're going to figure out the actual configurations in, in training camp. But, but Dave, what did you think about this signing? Um, I mean, I, I was a little surprised only because it's such a dramatic pay cut for CC. I never really thought he was on the Penguins' radar just because, he, I mean, even if he had signed somewhere for half of what his previous contract was, it wouldn't have been feasible for them. So he, he wasn't the guy I, I really thought, you know, that uh, they would make a serious run at. But I think it says something about the impact of, uh, of the pandemic and the, the way it uh, put a cap on the salary cap ceiling for the coming season. And also the kind of season he had in Toronto uh, that the Penguins were able to get him on a deal like this that, you know, on a, a much lesser scale, I think it's kind of like the Taylor Hall deal with Buffalo. You uh, got where a guy is betting on himself, uh, you know, taking a very short-term contract in the belief that he will be able to ratchet up his value, uh, you know, a year from now, uh, while also uh, seeing if he, if he likes the, the situation that he's in and, and if the team that has signed him, you know, figures he would be worth keeping around. Uh, as I say, I'm certainly not going to suggest that CC uh, would have the impact that a, that a Taylor Hall could have, but he does seem to be betting on himself here, unless there was absolutely nothing else coming his way. And this was, uh, this was not only the best he could get, but the only one he could get. Yeah, well, I mean, Rutherford <laughs> did say after the signing that, you know, this was a guy they had on their, you know, list of targets from the very beginning. Um, and I mean, the reason, you know, it, it, it didn't happen to now, it, it sounded like he, uh, he, he didn't get the offers he was expecting to get. And he, 
Rutherford study just kind of trickled down to them. <laughs> um, and because and like you said, based on money made last year, because you know, people ask, you know, leading up to that, you know, who, who's out there as far as, you know, right-handed defensemen. And I'm um, like, like Cap Friendly has a tool where you can sort by like UFA. So like I narrowed it down to right-handed D and, you know, they only had a little over 2 million in space, but, you know, I said it's, uh, you know, like their last cap, it was like, you know, 3.5 million. I figured, you know, like, uh, you know, some, someone who's going to be taking a, uh, someone could take like, you know, a cut from that. And I, I mean, CC was making four, like 0.3, I think last year. So, I mean, he wasn't even on my list of like guys who could, you know, take that big of a cut. Um, but I mean, like you said, he, he has had uh rough, couple of years I mean he did have some good years with Ottawa I mean going back to uh I mean the he was on the, the 2017 the one to the the Eastern Conference final against the Penguins uh he had some good offensive years back then too um but yeah not not not, not a great year last year with Toronto he was also in a second pairing role seemingly he's gonna be in the third pairing with Matheson next year that's what it's looking like it's probably gonna be um so I mean his role is going to they can at least afford to shelter him a bit if it doesn't work out. And that seems to have been a factor throughout his career. Whenever he's been in a top pairing role he's, and going against other teams' best players, uh, that seems to be when his play suffers the most, probably at both ends of the ice. So being on, on a third pairing, which, I mean, you have to assume that if, if Latang and Marino stay healthy, there's no way that under any circumstances, CC at his best is going to uh, supplant either of those. So, I mean, the only way he wouldn't seem to be on the number three pairing would be if Chad Ruedel would outplay him for that spot. Um, and Ruedel, while, you know, he might be able to uh, fill, fill in there capably, uh, we don't know that because he's never played more than, I believe, it's 44 NHL games in a single season so whether he could hold up over a full season or whether his effectiveness would kind of decline when he's playing night in and night out you know we wouldn't know until we actually see it but as it is that this way the Penguins will be able to keep him in a uh, a support role a guy that who's called upon uh, if they have an injury or uh, you know if uh, someone would severely slump and they could be pretty confident that Ruedel could step in capably. So, um, I mean, I, I, I think it's a worthwhile gamble. One year, a relatively modest sum of money. Um, there's certainly no guarantee that CC will work out. But if he doesn't, it's not that big of a deal. You're, you're not locked in. You know, that was the... Uh, biggest problem that I had with the Jack Johnson contract was not the money. I believe it was 3.25 million that, that they gave him, but that they gave it to him for five years, which for a defenseman his age with a lot of hard miles on him, that was uh, quite a gamble. And it, it's not one that obviously that, that worked out for them. In this case, you're talking about a younger guy, I believe he's 26 now. Yeah. Uh, in theory, should actually just be going into his best years, and you're only committed to him for one year at, at a pretty modest fee. So I don't think that there's any terribly large downside to this. If he flops, 
it shouldn't be enough to uh, scuttle their season or anything like that. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people are comparing it to, to the Jack Johnson signing. And uh, it, like you said, it's really not, not the same. They're making, he's making so little that, you know, scratch him, put Ruedel in, really not that big of a deal. I mean, it sounded like they were going to go into it with Ruedel as their third pairing guy before this anyway. But I mean, so if CC is, you know, the third pairing guy on the right side, he's probably going to be paired with Matheson, you figure. And um, they're a little familiar with each other. They're on the 2016 World Championship team with Canada, the one gold. Um, so they, they at least maybe have a little bit of chemistry to start. But um, if that is the third pairing, I mean, just, you know, guessing, is this a better third pairing than Johnson and Schultz? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's safe to say. I mean, perhaps if Johnson and Schultz had both performed to their maximum perceived capability, perhaps that would have been better. But it certainly didn't work out last season, you know, and with all the injuries Schultz had over the past couple of years. Um, you know, it's, it, it's hard to think that the Penguins could uh, have put together a a less effective third pairing during this offseason. Uh, I'm certainly not uh, ready to suggest that uh, Matheson CC is going to, uh, you know, supplant uh, Dumoulin and Latang as, as the uh, number one pairing here. But I think they deserve a chance to, uh, to show whether they can at least be serviceable. Yeah, the bar is low compared to last season. And the other thing I wanted to bring up, um, this is uh, CC's now their seventh guy from the 2012 first round draft that was held in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, the seventh guy that has come through Pittsburgh at some point. I have like the list. Um, <laughs> Galchenyuk, the number three pick. Pouliot, number eight. CC was 15. Uh, Jankowski, 21. Mata, 22. Matheson, 23. Uh, Pearson, number 30. That's a really. Uh, disappointing list <laughs> yeah who who would have thought that uh the night that those guys were drafted that Oli Mata if you were going to pick seven guys from the list would be the one who would probably have the uh the greatest and most uh positive impact on on the Penguins but uh you know yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's much dispute about that I mean we'll see what Matheson does we'll see what Jankowski does we'll see what CeCe does for that matter but uh yeah, for a uh, a class that, uh, like most, seemed to be pretty highly regarded at the time, uh, that certainly hasn't uh, gone down as one of the better ones in recent NHL history. No, I mean, I'm looking at the full list right now. I mean, Neil Yakupov really set the tone there. Mm. I mean, there are still, you know, good guys in there. Um, uh, Hurdle, Vasilevsky. Uh, Tom Wilson's probably one of the better better guys from that from that group too. But I mean, it's like Gergensen's, uh, <laughs> um, Malcolm Subban was a first rounder. Uh, I mean, it's just H Hendrick Samuelson who's in like the ECHL now. No. Uh, it's a it's a pretty rough group. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I um, if, if I had to pick a number eight, who's going to end up a Penguin? Zemgus Gergensen. He owns a house here, and he's actually been training in Cranberry uh, this whole time. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, uh, the the Sabers just locked him up. But if I had to uh, take a guess, number eight, uh, Gergensen's maybe a Penguin one day. But yeah, uh, not not the greatest uh, draft class to be pulling from. But uh, hopefully, CC uh, proves to be better than Galchenyuk 
for yeah there there will well that that talk about uh, bars being set pretty low <clears throat> as i say three of those guys uh next season will get their first chance uh to prove that they can have a positive impact on the the penguins and maybe someday uh, one of them will make us forget all about olimata we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, so nobody really knows when, when next season's going to start. Uh, we keep getting, you know, target dates pushed back, uh, different, you know, executives around the league talking. Um, I think, like, the original date the NHL gave out was, like, December 1st, and then it's January 1st. And, I mean, the latest kind of update we got was um, uh, Golden Knights owner Bill Foley. He said he believes that February 1st is more more likely option. Uh, that's the latest we've gotten. And – it's it, if you're starting that late, it's going to have to be a, a, a condensed season. What Foley said is um, probably 48 or 56 games. And one of those reasons is you kind of have to finish up before the, the Olympics start because, and that's uh, I think like late June because uh, NBC can't broadcast both. Uh, and, and NBC is uh, the U S rights holder here. Um, so, I mean, 48 or 56 games, from February 1st to, Jan- to, to, to June, late June, um, what Foley said, I mean, you can figure it's a lot of back-to-backs. Foley said, you know, probably four or five games a week. That's a lot. And, um, I mean, how, how do you see that impacting the Penguins? Well, I, I think if they do, you know, go into a particularly condensed schedule, which seems inevitable not only because of the Olympics, but because the NHL seems really adamant about getting back onto a normal setup for the 2021-22 season, you know, with uh, training camps in September and season starting in early October, that sort of thing. So it seems like whatever cuts have to be made uh, will be made, you know, during the, the coming season. And, you know, the more games that the league would shoehorn into a uh, shorter period of time, I think could really work to the Penguins' detriment, uh, mostly because they have so many key guys who are, you know, getting into their mid-30s, um, you know, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, uh, guys who play big minutes, uh, who as you get older, you need more time to recover the, you know, the bumps and bruises last a little longer. Uh, just, you know, the recovery time increases. It's, it's pretty much inevitable. So if you have a lot of three games in four nights or five games in seven, 
um, that sort of thing. I think that could uh, really be a challenge uh, for a team like the Penguins and, and could take a toll on them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you bring up, you know, the older guys, but I mean, goaltending too, because Foley said, you know, one of the, because, you know, they're not trading Marc-Andre Fleury, so they're going into next season with Laner and Fleury and really like a 1A, 1B thing. Um, and one of the things Foley said was that, you know, that's uh, a real benefit to have going into, you know, a situation like that where you're going to have a lot of back-to-backs um, to have, you know, two, they're not, no, they're paying them crazy amount of money but um the penguins do not have a 1a1b anymore after you know trading murray uh it's looking like they're gonna go into this season with jari to smith which means that uh probably gonna be seeing a lot of to smith and i mean to smith i think a normal season is a fine backup he had a he had a good year in, in wilkesbury but uh i mean i don't i don't know if he, he he'd have to you know be starting a lot more than a normal backup would or jari would have to be going um back to back either way it's really not an ideal scenario no it's not um i i think uh, you know just guessing here uh that the reality would fall somewhere between the the two options you just laid out there i think the smith would play a higher percentage of games than than a backup would in a normal season but i also think jari uh given his age um, is capable of playing a little more than you might want, uh, you know, your, your number one to play, you know, of, of starting a little more frequently than you might want your, your number one to. Now, uh, you know, there will be some factors that will influence that, you know, how many shots he faces in a typical night and, you know, how the team plays in front of him, that sort of thing. Um, but no, it, uh, it it's not one where where they would be confident, you know, going with anything close to a a fifty fifty split in in the goaltending starts. Uh, they're going to be counting on Jari to, uh, you know, make the clear majority of of starts, and uh, you know, we'll be counting on the Smith to hold up his end, you know, playing you know a third or or so of the. Uh, of the games, you know, more than uh, a higher percentage than he would have in a, a normal 82 game season. Yeah, the the AHL plays uh, three and threes a lot of times, uh, a couple times a season, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, a team will play all three games. I don't know if something like that would work in the NHL because, I mean, talking to the AHL guys, you know, if they're coming from college or juniors and it's their first time playing a three and three, it's like, it's, it's brutal. And it's something I think that they never really get uh, totally used to. But but in those, I mean, goalies will start back-to-back often. So, I mean, that's something that, you know, Jari has – he's not that far removed from. Um, and something that uh, maybe could work in the in the Penguins' favor a little bit is uh, – so the, the, the border's probably going to remain closed. And one of the things Foley said is that they're probably going to have a Canadian division. So all the you know, seven Canadian teams are going to be in their own division. Um, and then the remaining uh, 24 teams are going to – American teams are going to be split into three uh, divisions, eight each. So, you know, geographic base, because we're not going to be in a bubble, but, you know, they're going to – they really want to try to cut down travel. Um, and, and, I mean, you look at – you know, I've seen a lot of, like, mock maps where people try to divide it. And, I mean, either way, the Penguins being in the metro area um, probably have it better than a lot of other teams 
like out, you know, out west and even, you know, the southern teams, the Penguins are pretty close to, you know, like Washington, Philly. Um, so the Penguins might have one of the easier travel schedules. Well, they could if if they would end up in a division that's that's, you know, based in in the Northeast U.S. Uh, on the other hand, you know, if they get thrown in, uh, you know, with teams from the Central Time Zone, something like that, um, you know, it could be uh, be a bit more demanding. And a, a point you mentioned earlier. Uh, the NHL's collective bargaining agree agreement prohibits three games in three nights. So well, that's... They can, play, if they can sign off on any changes. Um, well, yeah, they could. Frankly, I, I'd be very surprised if, if they would do that. I mean, because you do run the risk of injuries and, you know, uh, things like that. I, I would be very surprised. And I, and I don't think anything in the... Uh, the CBA extension that was negotiated, uh, you know, right before the resumption of play um, included any changes to that. So I, I don't think you'll see three on three in the NHL. Um, but, you know, we're seeing a lot of things I never thought we'd see. But yeah, if the, if the Penguins would end up in a, uh, in a division, you know, that's uh, kind of a hybrid of the, the Atlantic and, uh, and uh, metro uh, northeast teams, yeah, their their travel would be about as as good as they could hope for. Um, but if uh, if they end up in a division, with, you know, with the likes of Dallas and St. Louis and Chicago and Nashville and the Florida teams, you know, they could end up spending a lot of time on airplanes. So. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a lot of like you know fans drawing up up, up mocks, and I mean, it's just you know fans. And trying to decide what works best. Um, I mean, everything I've seen, it, it's kind of, it, it, it works out. There are eight teams pretty close to each other, um, you know, up in the Northeast, and the Penguins would be in that group. I mean, like, uh, like Columbus. Columbus, pretty much everything I've seen, it makes more sense to have, like, Columbus, like, in the Western group because, you know, the Western teams, there aren't that many of them out there. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the Penguins – the, the Sabres, the Penguins are probably going to be staying a lot more of the Sabres and uh, a lot of those teams and um, probably not a whole lot of like uh, Tampa and Florida and, you know, some of those teams. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, it's going to look a lot different for the Penguins next season. Yeah, it, uh, we, we don't know what kind of season it will be, but I, th I think we can safely assume that it will be a very strange one-of-a-kind season. All right, one of the things that's going to look a lot different next season, uh, the NBC broadcast not going to have uh, Doc Emmerich on the call. He, he retired uh, on Monday after uh, 47 years doing play-by-play, -play, uh, 15 with, with NBC. I mean, that's, that's huge. I mean, I don't remember a time not, not hearing Doc on, on you know, the national broadcast. Dave, what, what can you tell us about his, uh, his background and his, his long career? Well, it, I mean, it, it, he really did become synonymous with, with hockey in, in the United States. And uh, I don't know, a lot of people might not realize that he actually got his start in the hockey media as a freelance reporter uh, working for the Beaver County Times. He covered the Penguins uh, for that newspaper in the 1970-71 season. Um, and, uh, 
would often talk. We uh, we both saw a lot of uh, Penguin games that year. Uh, would uh, often talk about uh, our common recollections, especially about uh, the Penguins' most intense rivalry at the time, which was with St. Louis. Um, the Plager brothers in St. Louis and, uh, you know, they, they had some uh, memorable visits to the Civic Arena. Uh, but after leaving, uh, you know, after that one year at Beaver County Times, uh, Doc went to uh, Bowling Green and worked there for a few years and then uh, moved on to the Port Huron Flags in the uh, long gone International Hockey League, then climbed the ladder to the American Hockey League after a few years, and finally broke into the NHL uh, uh, with the Philadelphia Flyers. Went from there to New Jersey, uh, to the New York Rangers, and finally uh, moved on to uh, the national broadcast. I believe his first uh, national gig was uh, ABC ESPN. Uh, but he certainly, you know, his, his love of the game was always evident. Um, he, his treatment of, of the people that he dealt with, uh, whether it was the most prominent player in the league or someone who worked the security gate, um, he always had time for everyone, uh, always had a genuine interest in, in everyone that he spoke with, uh, and was a, a wonderful announcer. I mean, he was, he's a really quality human being, but we shouldn't let that overshadow just what an, an exceptional announcer he was. Uh, when I was growing up, the kind of the gold standard for uh, national hockey announcers uh, in the U.S. Was, was Dan Kelly, who was also the voice of, of the St. Louis Blues at the time, but did national games. And I think it's safe to say that, that Mike Emmerich has, has earned a place alongside uh, Dan Kelly, which is... Uh, high praise indeed. It's kind of like somebody coming along and, and earning a spot, you know, alongside uh, the Mario Lemieux of uh, his line of work. So uh, it, it will be a loss. I think there are some capable people who could replace him. I think John Forsland, who was the longtime voice of the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, right now seems like he might be the front runner and I, I think he would do an excellent job but I wouldn't want to have to be the guy to uh, come immediately in the wake of, uh, of Mike Emmerich because uh, he set the bar for excellence awfully high. Yeah, I mean, I've just been, you know, seeing on Twitter all the, you know, tributes from other people in the media, radio broadcasters, I'm mean, players too. I mean, everyone who, who met this guy had, had, you know, nothing but good things to say about him. I, I think like, you know, Zucker, uh, tweeted something a couple of players and you know I've seen you know like when he's in the locker room after like you know morning skates and um, just the players seem like seem to be like in awe like if, if he talks to them um, yeah just just a good guy and and like you said I mean great great broadcaster a lot of you know fans different sports different leagues tend to like not like a lot of the national guys but I mean Doc hockey fans love him um, when just seeing like what fans have said about him and um, 
very unique uh, kind of way of calling the game. Uh, he, he has a lot of his own verbs. Um, I've seen, like, I saw, like, a Twitter thread going around, like, what's your favorite Emmerich uh, verb, verbs for, like, passing the puck or just the way the puck moves, like, like, waffle boarded or skittered or, like, the words you don't really hear, but um, that's what really made him so unique. Yeah. Um, his, his voice was distinctive. His, his delivery was. Um, but, I mean, what really came through was his, just his basic love of the game. Um, it, it was hard not to be enthusiastic about being at the rink when he was there because he made it so obvious that he was happy to be there, whether it was for a morning skate or a game seven of a Stanley Cup final. He, he was sincerely excited uh, to be there. And frankly, I suspect we'll see him uh, turning up at, at, at rinks, including PPG Paints Arena occasionally. Um, if only because he happens to be in town to attend the Pirates game, because as, uh, as he has never made a secret, uh, he's quite a fan of the local baseball team. Yeah, I, he, he brought up the Pirates a lot uh, during the broadcast. I remember, uh, like, I don't know, like my dad and I would text each other, like Doc Pirates mentioned you know, the time of the game, because mm. uh, he did a lot, you know, if like the Pirates were winning, you know, like, you know, at the time, he, he, he might find a way to bring it up. Uh, I always thought that was really cool. Um, I mean, it'll probably be, be in Bradenton for, for spring training. Uh, I, I, the Pirates even tweeted a, you know, a, you know, thank you, Doc, uh, mm -hmm. video. Because he did call, like, a Pirates game, like, at once, a couple, maybe a couple times, um, just for fun. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, we'll probably uh, be seeing him run in Pittsburgh. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, just synonymous with – Hockey in, in the U.S., I mean, if you're, if you're a fan of a U.S. team, he's, you know, won the Sunwell. He's probably, you know, if you saw your team win the Stanley Cup, you probably heard, you know, Doc's voice calling it or, you know, big moments like the Winter Classic, you know, fans heard, you know, his, his voice. And, I mean, even the, the NHL video game, the, the, that, that EA series, he, he's the voice on the video game. You can't play the EA video game without hearing Doc. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you'll – people can – play the video games keep hearing him but it's gonna be weird not hearing him call uh, real games anymore yeah yeah I, I think a lot of people share that sentiment.